Joygivers, Joygivers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor. I'm your host for Live Joy, Share Joy. Friends, I cannot tell you how excited I am about today's program because we are going to be talking about one of my favorite accountings in the Bible, which is all about the woman at the well. Now, I know that I am not equipped to completely have this conversation on my own. So today we've invited our very special guest, Pastor Ben Zamzo of St. Mark Lutheran Church, to join us to have a conversation about this very, very important scripture passage. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Deb. Well, I'm so glad you're here because, as I said to you prior to going live, I'm not a pastor. I did not go to a Bible college. But what I know is that God is speaking through this, and it's an important conversation to have, especially during this time of Lent, as we are preparing for Jesus to die on the cross, for Jesus to rise again. And I I know that we are going to have so many different connections to be bringing into this. So I feel like we should start with, let's direct people to where we are in Scripture, just in case they want to follow along and have an idea of where we are. Yeah, um, we are at John chapter 4. Um, that begins the account of Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. And honestly, you, we mentioned this when we were talking beforehand as well. There's so much here that we could sit here all day and talk about this. So boiling it down, I think, is going to probably be our challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, of course, we have the side conversations well, that end right. up coming up. Yep. So where where do we start? Where should we highlight? Because I think a lot of people just think, oh, well, you know, he went and talked to this woman at the well. Well, yeah. okay, that's part of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you can't uh, discount the idea that this woman is a Samaritan. And just to be clear what a Samaritan is, I think we maybe are familiar with the, the parable of the good Samaritan. That just didn't mean a, a, a group of, of nice people. You know, the reason Jesus uses that whole thing is because the Samaritans were detested. They, they were, um, I guess I don't know a polite way to put this. They were, in the eyes of an ancient Jew, they were mutts. You know, they were people that were leftovers, uh, planted there by the king of Assyria when Jews had kind of gotten, when they had gotten conquered by Assyria. And the way that the Jews looked at them, they detested them. If uh, somehow we could show a map, um, you know, you can see the road that runs north uh, out of Judea and goes north into Samaria. And normally, Jews would just go all the way around. And they wouldn't even bother to touch the dirt of the place known as Samaria, yet here we see Jesus, and he's there, and he's at this well, um, and you can kind of see these, uh, it's just the way that he's, he's moving uh, the, the pieces on the board, so to speak, so we can have this conversation with this woman uh, and, and talk to her about who he is and what he's come to do. So, I mean, just for me, there's just so much around this. First of all, is that the well was the place where everyone went, right? Like, this is a place where women would go, they'd get the water, this is where conversations take place, this is, I mean, this is, can we call it almost even a social place? I mean, is that accurate? Yeah, I think that's, to some degree, that's accurate. I think you see this, uh, you know, it's a, it's a place where people would come to draw water. It's a place where poor people would come to draw water. Um, if you were wealthy, you had a servant that would go and do this for you. Right. And... This, this woman kind of shows and gives away her financial position and the state that her life is in by the fact that she's got to go and lug these jugs of water home on her own. And this is where Jesus meets her. And Jesus breaks these societal rules as he meets her. Um, first of all, in that day and age, a man and a woman, they didn't just talk to each other, much less a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. Yet the Lord asks her for a drink and gets this whole 
situation rolling um, just with this one simple question, um, can I have a drink? And you see the humanity of Jesus in this too, one of the most clear human pictures of Jesus and and who he is. Why is he there? He's tired. This is the God that created everything in six days sitting on a well tired. Um, it's it's the the mental picture is is stunning. Yeah, it really on so many levels. And anyone who has visited any area where you truly understand having to go to this well to get the water, being thirsty, being in an area where this is just critical to get some water. Mm-hmm. I do love what you're saying because exactly like you said, like Jesus is breaking down the cultural rule. Right off the bat, we've got Jesus breaking the rules. It's it's just proof that he came to seek and to save what was lost. Um, and he came to save everybody, despite what anybody thinks. Um, and this is the people of Samaria, the Samaritans that were detested by the Jewish people, um, viewed as almost subhuman. And the Lord says, no, they need to hear about me too. And, I mean, maybe I just as, as I'm looking at, at the word here, just thinking about what he what he does and, and how he goes about this, and he uses this picture of this drink of water to illustrate himself, mm. to, you know, to, to say to her, drink from this well, pointing to himself, and you'll never go thirsty again. Um, and her initial thought is, well, how? <laughs> you know, like, give me, give me more of this water. Give me more of this water. Give me, uh, so I don't have to keep coming back here. And then he shifts the conversation to something that is not, physical but spiritual and that's where this gets interesting and i don't know if um i mean it took me a while to to catch this but i guess just let me let me read this uh real quick i'm in john chapter 4 starting at verse 15 uh, the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i won't get thirsty and and have to keep coming here to draw water he told her go call your husband and come back i have no husband she replied jesus said to her you're right when you say you have no husband the fact is You've had five husbands, and the man that you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you and the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, to make that live, you're in a conversation with somebody, and you don't like the way that the conversation is going. What do you do? Shift the conversation. You change the topic completely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the Lord is, is getting her to see her deep need for him, to, to bring her into this idea that she is, in fact, a sinner and that she needs him. And she and all of her people need who he is and what he has come to bring, this living water that we drink from that will never go thirsty again if we drink it. And I, I, I just, uh, as as you read that section, it's it becomes just absolutely apparent that you know it it makes you i guess it makes you wonder makes me wonder you know if the lord sat down in front of me and caught me at a well you know what he might say to me Mm -hmm. you're talking about um being prepared during the season of lent um and part of that is being cognizant of our own sinful condition if we see ourselves as a little sinner then we make jesus a little savior and when we Come to Luke chapter 7, where the woman comes in and she bathes Jesus' feet in perfume. And she falls at his feet 
and she breaks open this priceless jar, um, and Jesus looks at her and, and says she gives much because she's been forgiven much. You know, while Simon the Pharisee, who was in the, that same house, um, is kind of sitting there thinking he's too good for Jesus. She knew this woman who came in, she, she, was, her, she was leading a life of, uh, of sinfulness. She knew who she was, and she knew the value of her Savior. Um, and Jesus is essentially here bringing this Samaritan woman to that same kind of conclusion. You need me. You need me in the water that I come to bring. What I love about this, and I, I'm glad you brought it to today for us, right? What would it be like if Jesus met us at the well? How would we see him? What would that look like? And how much are we willing to look inside at our own sinfulness? We know we have the Lord to go to. He's already died on the cross. We already know that now, mm-hmm. right? She wasn't, I mean, she didn't have that yet, right? Right. We know. We know. Yep. And it's interesting because as you're as you're equating back then and then today, I'm even thinking, man, I feel like a bigger responsibility now because I know he already died on the cross, right? But there's this place about... Um, vulnerability and that humbleness and that awareness and what that looks like. Also, as you stated earlier, him coming to her, who she in a sense was, man, you're not going to visit. You're, you already broke that cultural norm. And wait a minute, you're saying that I'm sinning and I'm still worthy of you. Right. Because Absolutely. I think there's that worthiness piece in there, too, especially for people who've been demarginalized or people who've been outcast or shunned or any of the above. So I, I really like that you're bringing that in here. There, there is, you cannot out God's grace. We are cognizant of our shortcomings. You know, as the psalm writer says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, as, as we ponder those things and in the condition of our own hearts, and yes, we know, um, but it fills us with a deep sense of appreciation, you know, especially during Lent as, as, we, as we prepare our hearts and our, and our minds and focus on that blending of the waters. And it's something that I, I, when, I, when I teach a class, I often draw this on the board. You know, sometimes you, you, we hear so often, God is love, God is love, God is love. God is indeed love, perfect love. God being God is also 100% perfect justice. How do you meld those two things together? And the answer is found in the cross. There you see the anger of God poured out on Jesus, the anger of God over sin poured out on Christ. As we look at a cross, we see there, yeah, that's the punishment that I deserve. Um, That's what I deserve for what I have done, and this is what my Savior has done to take it away. Um, it's this melding of the waters, this blending of the waters. We see God's perfect love and his perfect justice reconciled um, to show us uh, just how deeply he loves us and just how completely we are forgiven. Yeah, And we are perfect love, perfect justice, the woman at the well showing us how much we are in need of a Savior. We've got a lot more to talk about, and we're going to be bringing in more about the effect of being around Christ, the effect of being around Jesus. When we come back, we're going to take a brief pause here. We're talking with Pastor Ben Zamzo of St. Mark Lutheran Church, and we are talking about the woman at the well and how this ties into our Lent experience and ultimately our walk as a Christian. We'll be back after this pause. 
When it comes to planning for your future, you want an advisor who understands your Christian values. Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson offer financial planning based on biblical principles. They can help you plan for your goals in a way that is consistent with your faith. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson today. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 1st Street East in Park Rapids. Ameriprise Financial offers financial services without regard to religious affiliation or cultural background. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. We'd love to hear feedback on the show. Have you heard a guest who inspired you or drew you deeper into relationship with the Lord? Was there a topic that really resonated with you? Do you have a show idea around joy? We would love to hear from you. We want to build a community of joy. Please email Deb at lifefulofjoy.com and put feedback in the subject line. Are you currently renting your home? Give Team Aylesworth, Noemi, Harry, and Abby of Real Living First Realty a call. Trust them to help guide you through the home buying process. With interest rates as low as they are, now is a good time to take that leap into being a homeowner. The award-winning customer service team is ready to make you their priority. Call Noemi at 218-760-4689 or click the link for Team Aylesworth on the Business Impact Partner page at yourqfm.com. Make owning a home your reality today. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. We are talking with Pastor Ben Zamzo of St. Mark Lutheran Church. We're talking about the woman at the well. We are tying this into our Lent experience. As we went into the break, we were talking about perfect justice, perfect love. We're talking about Jesus. And as Ben and I were chatting throughout the break here, we're just talking about, yeah, this effect of being around Christ. So let's go there. Let's talk about this effect that he starts to have on her. So he brings her to the knowledge of the fact that she's a sinner, and she wants to change the topic. Um, and Jesus is, is slowly but surely getting her to see who he is and, and that he's not just talking to her about a glass of water, and he's not just there to break down cultural norms. He's there to show her who he is. And she initially comes out here, and she, like we said, she changes the conversation, and she starts talking about, you know, well, you Jews worship in Jerusalem, us Samaritans, we worship over here. You know, well, what's really correct? And just the line that, that Jesus says here in, in John 4, verse 22, he says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. (laughs) (laughs) You can't help but chuckle a little bit at that. We were talking before the show about this very thing. Just, um, you know, he rarely speaks so plainly even to his own people. As, you know, sometimes he gives a cryptic answer when they say, you know, "Are, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? He says, well, I'm the, I'm the great I am. Or he'll say something like, um, on the last day you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. He gives some answer that's not just spoon-feeding them. Yeah. What I was curious about in that, you and I were talking about this, 
so many times Jesus just has this, you know, I call it the soft speak. You know, he's, he's speaking to people and, it, and just the way he uses his words. And there are a few times where it's like, okay, here's the deal. <laughs> and this is one of them. Yep. And I, there's something about that even to me underscores it even more. It's right. like, we need to put the highlighter on this because you're not messing around here. Right. Yeah. Ab- no, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. He says earlier there, he says, you Samaritans worship what you don't know. And again, before the show, we were talking about the, the Jews, uh, excuse me, the Samaritans only had the first five books of the Bible. So they knew some things about the true God, but they didn't know everything. They didn't have the full um, the full list of all the prophets. They didn't have all the prophecies. They, they wouldn't have had the book of Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah 53 much? Psalm 22 much? You know, all these things that point to what the Messiah is going to come and do. You know, and as Jesus says, everything written in the prophets and in the Psalms has to be fulfilled about me. Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, this is him, spe- uh, like you said, um, he lays it on the line here. Um, there's no if, ands, or buts about this. I who speak to you am he. And now, now we said that we wanted to talk about, you know, the, just the effect of him being around her and the, the reaction that she's got. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar. How many possessions did this woman have? Probably this, not a lot. <laughs> this is this is the thing that she came there to get, isn't it? I mean, she came to get the water jar, and now she just left it there. <laughs> yeah. When you really put yourself back into that time, it's not like now yeah. where you just go buy another water jar or you flip right. on the faucet. Right. Right? Like, this is when you can really put yourself back in that time. This is a big deal. Right. Yeah, she leaves her personal possession. She leaves the thing that she came there to get. Um, and she turns around and she starts going back to her own people um, to tell them about him, um, this this man who she's met at this well. Um, and then maybe just, uh, we can maybe go back and talk a little bit more about this, but later in John 4 and 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And he told me everything I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay, urged him to stay with them. And he stayed with them two more days and because of his words, many more became believers. So, yeah, just the whole picture here of Jesus understanding what his mission was and getting them, the Samaritan people, to understand that they need him. Yeah, amen. The other thing that just really stuck out to me, and actually just now when you read it, I don't know where I was the first time or second time or third time I was going through it, but the fact that, you know, she left all the possessions, she goes, and others came to want to know Jesus because of her testimony. Mm-hmm. Now, if we actually go into Revelations, it actually talks about people coming to know the Lord and coming to know Jesus because of others' testimonies. Right. And I've always thought about uh, people, when they have this experience with Jesus, that's what truly begins transforming people. I believe that another reason that we have this experience that gets accounted for is to show us Your belief in Jesus and your transformation because of your encounter with him matters because others will come to know him because of you. If she had not gone back and gone to her people, yes, Jesus could have gone there too and he might have brought some more followers, which he did, but how many more came because he first worked through her, which then became, okay, we trust her because she's in our group of people 
Now you've had this experience. Okay, we're going to be more likely to listen now because they trusted her. So isn't that interesting? Like we talk about this, God uses all of us all the time. Certainly, yeah, he uses us. You know, I I guess I'm thinking about the the words of St. Paul in Romans. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's what it is. As as we are, as Christians, you know, I've said this to my own congregation, um, you know, Lent sometimes kind of gets this bad label as a as a as this dark and pious time. <laughs> you know, it, I don't think there's any better time to invite somebody to church. Hey, we have it twice as much during the month. You know, we've got it at least uh, our, our church has it on Wednesday nights, and we got it on Sunday morning. There's plenty of opportunity to come, um, and it's just those simple. Um, you know, and maybe you you meet a friend. Um, you know, and they wonder why why should I come to church? Um, it's it's the simplest evangelism ever. You know, when Jesus is calling the uh, the prophet Nathaniel, you know what's what what's how's the line go? Just come and see. Yeah, come you and know, see. That's yeah, we, simple. We found we found the Messiah. Really? What? Yeah, what good can come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Yeah. Just come and see. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, again, and I, I think. Um, you know, so so much of this is you know you, you you study one part of the Bible. You're you're at the the woman at the well, and then you start hearing other parts of scriptures. You start hearing hearing the echoes, as it were, of uh, other parts of the Bible resonating back. Um, and one that that uh, jumped out at me. I guess I thought this was interesting, and if I think it's interesting, I hope other people do too. Of course, they do. Um, in Mark chapter fifteen, in the in the crucifixion of Jesus. There's this line that's just really unassuming that doesn't really seem to be a big deal, but it's Mark chapter 15, verse 21. At the crucifixion of Jesus, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Why does Mark bring up Alexander and Rufus? A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. It seems so arbitrary, but why does he do that? Why does he bring that up? Because Mark was writing to people who knew Alexander and Rufus. He was writing to Christians who knew Alexander and Rufus, whose dad carried Jesus' cross. Now, I don't know how long that walk took from wherever Simon picked it up to lug it up on top of Golgotha. 15 minutes, half an hour. Something in that half hour, or however long it was, completely altered who he was forever. Um, And here you've got Alexander and Rufus as um, just this unassuming testimony to that fact. Their father spent just a short amount of time with the Savior and saw what was happening on that day um, as, as Christ was crucified. And now... He was a Christian, and they are Christians. Just kind of tying that whole thing in with the experience of being around Jesus, and even just for a minute, yeah. you know, or, or yeah. a short a short period of time, um, there was something different about him. Yeah. Um, there was something different about the Lord, um, and whether it's sitting down with the well with the Samaritan woman, or he's dying on the cross. Um, I don't know how many people uh, have, have ever looked into this, but I read that um, normally it took... Uh, seven fully trained soldiers to hold down one man to crucify him. And yet with Christ, there's nothing of that mention. He goes like a lamb to the slaughter. I mean, these soldiers had killed by this method presumably many people. 
And there was something just weird about the way that Jesus approached his death on the cross. He doesn't take the, the wine vinegar to dull and, and numb the pain. Normally, if you were uh, crucified, you're cussing and spitting and uh, being as obscene as possible to everybody around you. Yet what do we find Jesus doing? Praying through the Psalms? Psalm 22, the first line, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Rereading, uh, memorizing these, these scriptures that he, or, or, or saying these scriptures that he had memorized from a boy. What a, a strange sight this whole thing would have been as they watched the perfect Son of God die for the sins of the world. There was, uh, it's the words of that Roman soldier who stood at the foot of the cross afterwards. Surely this man was the Son of God. Amen. Amen. Pastor Ben, what is the most important learning that we should take away from the woman at the well? When it comes down to the most important thing to walk away from when uh, we we see this account, um, it's understanding our own great need for Jesus to come down to to drink of the water that he calls us to drink from, um, to come and to hear his word, to know that he is the way and the truth and the life, and that he calls us to to know him, to, that he calls us to hear his word um, and, and to um, to see the, the, the great blessing that he has given us, that we are at peace with God, that our sins are forgiven, um, and that when we leave this life, we can do so in peace. Amen. Pastor Ben Zamzo of St. Mark Lutheran Church, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Deb. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And we want to thank all of you for choosing to listen today. We would encourage you to check out John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. Read The Woman at the Well. Reflect on it. Listen to the show again. And we just invite you to dig even deeper into your relationship with the Lord during this time. We want to thank Philip Elke for engineering today's program. We want to thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. Have a great day. Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.